It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com. Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBrain.com. Braincast, Braincast, oh Hello and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers Podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I am your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Sarnecki. Uh, party on, Josh. <laughs> party on, Aaron. So uh, if that gives you any indication of what we're talking about uh, this uh, this installment of the Anniversary Brothers Podcast, we are talking about the uh, 30th anniversary of Wayne's World uh, the movie based off the Saturday Night Live sketch of the same name. Uh, there's sort of a surrealness to it a little bit for me because this movie came out less than like three months before we were born. <laughs> so it's sort <laughs> of like, in some ways, like this is the world before you were born. Just a few months. Oh man, what a dystopia it was. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is funny, and it's uh, it it definitely clears up the fact if we saw this when it came out or not. I guess yeah, de- definitely the answer is no. Um, but yeah, I was just like even looking at parts of it and like, man, like I don't recognize that style of Doritos bag at all. Like, they look <laughs> like that. <laughs> like I I've I've seen that old Pepsi can. I didn't realize that like that style was still around in late 91, but I appreciate how the Doritos bag in one like little joke is what caught you as like, this is why this film is dated. I mean, is that so strange though? No. And that whole sequence is kind of leaning into it, I should say, and kind of, I mean, yeah, if, 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 if anything is ever going to date a movie, it's going to be um, what do the brands that still exist today look like back then? Yeah. Now, what kind of product placement do you have? Yeah, it uh, like, <laughs> I, yeah, as and sometimes there aren't things things aren't around anymore. I, like I was asking our parents, I was like, did you ever have post toasties? Was those were those around? when you were growing up and then you know my mom was saying like i don't think they had honey nut cheerios when i was growing up so that's sort of mind-blowing to me this is like i don't even know what post toasties are it's just like one of the old old cereals oh okay i mean this isn't a, a post cereals uh podcast but you know maybe <laughs> maybe next time I do love cereal, and if if we want to go into a, a whole tangent on cereal, I would be happy to. I have probably... I, there have been conversations at work that went into favorite cereal that did happen once. Mm, okay, uh, I'm a big fan of the Magic Spoon cereal. If you ever had that before, nope. It's an online order cereal. I can tell you about it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, not important for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, this movie came out in 1992. Uh, 
when we first saw it, I actually, I have a pretty good recollection, but I'm curious. Do you remember? Uh, I believe we were in like middle school or high school and uh-huh. our friend Paul brought it over and we watched it down the basement. Yeah. So I believe I want to say it was the summer in between eighth grade and ninth grade. So we were 14 when he, uh, we watched it with him okay. and, um, I don't think we'd ever heard of it before. Mm. Uh, I, feel I, like I, I don't know. Fourteen-year-old is like the kind of like the prime audience for this movie. Uh, I, I mean, this the that's a good question. Who is the prime audience? I would think of people who watch Saturday Night Live are the. Yeah. So you probably fifteen, sixteen-year-olds or older. Yeah. Um, I always, for some reason, thought that. Wayne and Garth were very similar characters to Bill and Ted. Like they had, <laughs> they feel like they're cut from the same cloth. Yes, definitely. Um, it's funny you say that because as I was watching this, um, Brie asked me like, are you watching Bill and Ted? Like, <laughs> no, no close. Yeah. No, Bill um, and Ted is actually a little, uh, is a few years before this. Okay. Uh, well, I actually, I'm not 100% sure when the sketch started for this. I think they're actually pretty close together. Uh, Bill and Ted, I think, was 89. So, yeah, they're roughly around the same time. The big difference between uh, the series is that Bill and Ted is much more fantastical and that, you know, you know, oh, we got to go get all these historical figures for our history report. So, you know, that's, you know get Abraham Lincoln, we'll take him in our time machine and he'll tell everybody to uh, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. (laughs) And then in the sequel, like they like die and they meet death. So it's that one that makes this a movie like this, which has already has some pretty out there jokes sound kind of normal. Yeah, it can get a little surrealist at times, but nothing quite like that. So I guess before we go any further, and oh, I, I checked. So the the skit from Saturday Night Live, it first um, started in 89. Okay, so yeah, they're basically like around the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so before we get into anything else, I guess, I know there's not much plot to this movie, but uh, should we do at least a little bit of a plot summary? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can do it. So the plot is just that um, there are two characters, uh, Wayne and Garth, played by Mike Myers and uh, Dana Carvey, respectively, who they have a public access TV show called Wayne's World, where they kind of just goof off. And uh, this uh, like uh, marketing executive uh, sees it one night and tries to sell it to this uh, big big shot who owns a bunch of like arcades, and then his whole plan is to sell it so he's going to become super corporate and he's going to just take over everything and then during that wayne meets uh um a singer in a band at uh one of the places that they hang out uh named cassandra and it's sort of about their relationship and uh part of it is about her band also getting a spot on TV to get a record deal. 
and that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a pretty good summary of it. I, yeah. Um, I was I was said uh, the I forget what the name of the actress who plays Cassandra is. That is Tia Carrera. Yeah, Tia Carrera plays Cassandra, and then Rob Lowe plays uh, Jonathan <laughs> Benjamin. Benjamin. Okay. It's it's a similar name. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, and Benjamin is the the kind of sleazy television producer, marketing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not super heavy on plot. It's definitely more a vehicle for the comedy. Yeah, there are... This is a movie that has a surprising number of, like, small parts or cameos also. Yes. Uh, you have, like, Ed O'Neill, I think, who plays the guy who runs the diner. He's mm-hmm. most... No- best known for being on uh married with children as al bundy and then he was on uh uh modern family then you have uh alice cooper yes and uh meatloaf is in there for one scene yeah me uh chris farley also was chris farley in it he was the security guard right right i yeah i couldn't remember yeah so you got, you know, and you have uh, the T-1000. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the best cameo. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody remembers the uh, the Terminator from Terminator 2, opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, he's in there too. We'll go into that a little bit later. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I kind of remember watching this movie and being like, yeah, this movie is cool, but like kind of feel, I feel like Paul always talks a big game. So I felt a little underwhelmed. <laughs> like it was the best movie ever. And it was in fact, not the best movie ever. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the same way when another one of our friends said like, yeah, you got to watch galaxy quest. I'm like, this movie isn't that good, but. It's very easy to overhype something, mm-hmm. especially when you're 14, I think. And you've only seen so many movies at 14. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I. My reaction was, I think, somewhat similar. I remember leaving the the basement at one point because I was like, I'm not enjoying this movie and I just needed to like take a break from it. Yeah. And I remember getting irrationally upset by them making fun of Delaware in one scene. Oh. <laughs> like, how dare you? As a proud Delawarean, I am right. aghast that you would dare mock my state. Uh-huh. Um, but otherwise, no, I mean, really the the biggest thing from this that I, I took away when we were younger was some of the, I think some of like the, the skits we kind of incorporated into our own um yeah life like i don't know like i i feel like this was one of the first times that i heard bohemian rhapsody oh yeah same and i think this is why you know during high school we we listened to a fair amount of queen uh-huh right yeah we we definitely we there was uh in one of our videos we re- recreated the them going down the highway playing bohemian rhapsody <laughs> yes i remember sitting in our mom's van in the garage and 
probably giving ourselves headaches from headbanging too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I mean, some of the things stuck with us, but it was—I don't think a movie that either one of us was blown away by. No. No. So I don't know. What did you think of it? Rewatching it for this podcast? Uh, I thought that there were definitely elements of it that kind of dragged. Um, I think there were parts of it that I appreciated some of the more clever jokes that I don't mm. think I would have gotten when I was younger. Mm. um it kind of strikes me as a smarter movie than like something like hot rod (laughs) which is just like completely wall-to-wall stupid yeah featuring many other snl yeah so i appreciate it for that um but i I think I, I just I just I appreciated it for I think it's showcased its stars talent pretty well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I didn't find it like, oh, this movie is gut busting. Yeah. Uh, uh, there there were a couple scenes where I, I did laugh uh, out loud. Which we'll get into, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think that. This this movie was kind of just a stepping stone for Mike Myers into bigger and better things, you know, Austin Powers and Shrek and stuff like that. The Love Guru. The Love Guru. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. Uh, oh, Can the Hat. Who could Cat, forget? Yeah, Can the Hat. No, that's haunting. I don't think I've ever seen that movie, and I don't think I ever will. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I guess my reaction watching this time was somewhat similar to yours. Um, I found myself surprised by some of the the jokes and how clever they were. Um, I I think I forgot how much it breaks the fourth wall, Um, which is not I mean, even that time was not groundbreaking like that had happened a lot. And I mean, this this came out, you know, when uh, a show like Saved by the Bell was airing, which. Right. And this is this is post, you know, Ferris Bueller's day off where he talks to Cameron all the time. Right. So it's it wasn't breaking new ground, but I think it does a a good job playing with that convention. And then it also it takes some other kind of creative twists in, in breaking the fourth wall and acknowledging that you are watching a movie and it knows you're watching the movie. Um, so that those parts I, I enjoyed and I was surprised by mm-hmm. um, other parts. I was just having a hard time believing that this became a movie because it's so stupid at times. Um, so I feel like it's a movie at war with itself where they have like really clever jokes at parts and then other moments where it's just incredibly sophomoric. And that's, I mean, and that's, I, 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 I mean, I think mm. the, the, the best example and I was just thinking of it is the opening where yeah. just like, they're showing this guy who has some sort of uh he essentially has whatever george clooney supposedly cuts his hair with a floby or whatever oh is that a real thing yeah it's like a thing that like it cuts your hair and like you you put it on your head i didn't know that was a real it's, thing. A, it's a real thing so he puts it on Garth's head and it's like sucking his hair 
but it's like it's not particularly funny so it's just like garth screaming that this thing is on his hair like eating his head yeah and it's just like oh is this going to be the whole movie um and i i came to the realization especially as i was watching some sketches from saturday night live that this was based off of that the show inside the movie is the least funny part. <laughs> oh yeah. It's all the yeah. stuff around it is the stuff that actually works. Uh, but but yeah. I feel like again to relate it to like why it would kind of be I, at the same time I could kind of see like if Wayne's World was a real public access show, I could kind of see it working in that context because like Think of how popular Beavis and Butthead was during the 90s. Oh, yeah, totally. And that's why I I mentioned earlier about the kind of the target audience. Like there is a, I'm going to say a juvenile sense of humor to parts of it. Um, But then there are parts where they they really do try to, um, you know, do things that are a little bit more outside the box. Uh So I, yeah, I, I agree that it's, it's definitely the the parts where they're filming the show or where they're like showing the show within the movie that are the weakest, which is very ironic, I would say. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to make a movie about a show, you kind of be like, well, there's got to be a whole lot of extra because otherwise you're just showing what we've seen on TV. That's it, true. It, it's sort of like. In the Simpsons movie, they make fun of the audience for paying to see the Simpsons. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I will say, I think there is also some self-awareness here in that you have, um, like, Benjamin, played by Rob Lowe, and a few other um, more, like, professional adult characters, like, see the show, and they're like, this is stupid. Who would watch this? And and then um, someone have to admit some like oh like all the kids around here love it, so yeah, I feel like yeah. there is an awareness to it that I appreciate. Um, not that it, I think, makes the dumb jokes any funnier and and land any better, but there yeah. is a sort of wink, wink. We get it. Like these jokes are not going to be the most highbrow or the most right. intellectual. Right. It'd just be like. Oh, it's so funny. He said something. He's like, that's so cool. Not. Oh, so funny. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness. He's, I don't know, making fun of the guy by writing mean things on the back of his cue cards. Like, right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it feels like a disjointed movie and that's not surprising because, I mean, you're getting a Saturday Night Live sketch and yeah. dragging it out to, to an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Um, I guess if we're talking about, it, it almost seems like it's wrong when you talk about a comedy and then like talk about the jokes and explain why they're funny. Cause it's like, <laughs> don't explain the joke. Now it's not funny, but like some of the things, um, that I was surprised by the joke that actually I was probably most surprised by is when they have Wayne learn Cantonese and then he it shows him doing it for one, one scene. And then I, now he knows how to speak in perfect, you know, eloquent, you know, sentences talking about like philosophy to Cassandra. 
Yes, that that was that was funny. And it was surprising for me because I kept expecting it to take this uh, like typical joke pattern of um, he starts off speaking it well. And then like gradually he starts like insulting her or saying something. Yeah, that's what I was expecting, too. Yeah. So it really defied my expectations in a way that I liked. Right. Yeah. Because like um, loads of movies have done that. Um, like even like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid when they go to like Mexico to like rob a bank like they can't remember all the Spanish so like they end up like flubbing it mm. yeah so I, I guess because that is such a gonna a well-worn joke I just yeah. expected that again but I'm glad they didn't like, and it was funnier for it right yeah um, I guess I'm trying to think like other things uh we did talk about the product placement, which sort of, again, is sort of just a commentary on product placement in movies, which I've seen in other movies that this movie does it pretty well. There's this really obscure movie from the 80s with George Clooney called Return of the Killer Tomatoes. It's a mm. sequel to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And they do the same like thing, making fun of product placement. But in that, they'll have characters talking, and they'll just have a hand while they're talking, like sh- shove like a cereal box in front of the you know the two <laughs> characters that said uh, Cheerios. <laughs> okay, I've heard of that movie. I haven't seen it. It's actually it was pr- it was pretty funny, and it was just weird to see a, a George Clooney with that much hair. Mm. um but yeah this they're like making fun of like i'm not gonna sell out but then he sells out to the camera by eating you know pizza hut or uh doritos i think the two best ones of that are uh dana carvey's delivery when they kind of tilt up to him it's just like it's like some people only do things and people pay for them to do it. And it's fine. That's sad. And yeah. it's just like, it almost looks like he's about to break character when he says it. Yeah. And it's, it's very funny. And then when they, they do the headache medicine oh, yeah. and they said, you know, Oh, you know, whatever yellow different. <laughs> it shows the black and white with the yellow tablets in his palm. Yeah. That that was good, and I and I feel like once again that is the strength of this movie comedically is the the more meta humor. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was thinking of is near the end of the movie when Wayne is trying to convince uh, Cassandra to come back with him, yeah, and he like goes into this kind of overdramatic uh, monologue, yeah, and then like there's a caption underneath that says like Oscar reel or Oscar clip, yeah, um. Like, I think it's it's so it, it's not, once again, like super groundbreaking, but it, it's it's a level of meta comedy that works for this. And I was actually reading an article the other day that was saying that movies like this pave the way for things like Deadpool to work. And I think that's a very accurate. Statement. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, I know ne- I never would have thought of that. Um Again, like we said, this was not the first movie to ever, you know, 
break the fourth wall, wink at the audience. Um, but I, I like how they do it in this with, like, they, they, they give the camera more personality, if that makes any sense. Right, like, it, it's almost like makes sense that they would do it because there's this unseen cameraman who almost walks off the movie at one se- uh, at one scene because his main is being mean to him. <laughs> yeah, like there's that, and and there is the the sense that like and it's not just Wayne, but it's also Garth that like mm-hmm. will draw attention to plot points um, or how convenient something is. But even then, when they first go to the diner, and it and it starts following Ed O'Neill's character. And like, this is not supposed to be happening. Like, this is not how you break the fourth wall. You're not supposed to go to some random character. And it's, it's really, it's, it's really funny and it's, it's simple, but effective. Right. Yeah. Um, because I mean, that's something you don't really get in like Ferris Bueller, like Ferris, obviously. Yeah. It it breaks the fourth wall throughout, but no one else is. And you don't get the sense that the camera has a will of its own. It's, it's Ferris controlling things mm-hmm. or it's, it's the audience just kind of being directly. Talked right. To. I mean, in literally in saved by the bell, uh, was it Zach can stop time and yeah. just time out. Yes. There's none of that. No, it's, it's not like that, but there is a, um, once again, I think it goes back to like the, the awareness and the, the meta jokes of it all. Like when you see, um, Garth going through the uh, like the schedule of Benjamin yeah. and like one of the the things is like take over feeble public access <laughs> show. <laughs> He's like, oh, I feel bad for those idiots. Like mm-hmm. it's or even like uh, this is it's once again early in when they're in the diner you find out you see that Garth is uncomfortable and he's like socially kind of um a little quiet and, and not yeah. sure how to talk to people. And he actively like tricks the camera to look elsewhere so he can escape. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually pretty good. Like if you're going to build character that way. Um, yeah. Um, I will say there are probably elements of this that I just don't think are going to hit with some people like, um, especially if they're younger, like are people going to understand when he, uh, opens the camera and the reels of film go out? Mm. Like would, would a kid understand that now? I feel like they wouldn't like, like the comedy of like, you've just exposed all of that film. It's ruined. You can't use it anymore. Now, now most movies are shot digitally. Yeah, that's a good point. It's sort of the same conversation we had when we talked about Memento, because that's all about Polaroids. Right. Yeah. I see. I thought you were going to talk about the the importance of like public access television. Well, that's another that's another thing. Uh, Public access television is like. I don't know, I guess the thing somewhere still, but that even by the time we were watching i'm like i've never heard of public access television like i know of pbs of course i know Mm. that but like the fact that you can just get like a recording license and the local station will show your show is just sort of like a foreign concept to me 
Yeah, but I feel like there's oddly some increased relevance for it now that um, like things like TikTok are so popular. Well, some way in some ways, it's sort of like having your own YouTube channel, but like more traditionally. Yeah. Sort of like new media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because in this, I mean, technically, you know, Wayne and Garth are kind of like the uh, the creators of their time. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would go that far. Give them that much credit. Um, there are, there are just other jokes that, like, I feel like they they talk about. The, oh, it's like you know, oh Heather Locklear and stuff like that. Talk oh. about like, like uh, I hardly know Melrose Place as it is. I was watching one of the sketches where he he dreams that he's in melrose plates so he meets heather locklear and people were like saying like ha ah, that's just like the show like they got all those characters like you know right i'm just like i i have nothing to go off of i'm i'm not a gen xer so mm. if i had watched that show it probably would have hit differently yeah no I, definitely like there are some things where if if you're not from that generation you're not going to be able to appreciate the jokes i'd say maybe one area where that does break is this the segment with alice cooper yeah I think, like, I think there's something added to it if you know who alice cooper is but i think just just seeing him in his performance first gives you enough to know that it's very ironic yeah yeah again like no um subverting like he's going to be this hard rocker and then he's like this intellectual talking about this you know this is what milwaukee's name is in algonquin and this is you know did you know milwaukee's only you know a city to have like three consecutive socialist mayors yeah like it's and and, and i think you're totally right where it's like it's the subversion of this movie that works really well it's when they try to just stick with let's get as many jokes in per minute as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially once again, the more juvenile jokes that I just kind of tuned out because I wasn't interested. Right. Um, I guess going into the characters a little bit. First, first off, why is it just Wayne's world? Why is it not Wayne and Garth's <laughs> world? Why is Garth get the, you know, the shaft? I I was going to say the same thing because I mean, I mean, it, is it because Garth one is, point. Sort oh of. yeah, it could be Garth's world or whatever. Yeah, but maybe that's because Garth is like he wants to host a show, but like he doesn't want the attention to be on him. Right. I mean, when he has the full attention of the camera, he he kind of freaks out and shuts down. Right. Yeah. Um. Overall, like again, they are very juvenile. They're like, oh, you know that that girl's such a babe and stuff like that. I'm sure that got tiring pretty quickly for you. I'm pretty sure they said. I think "babe" was the most spoken word in this entire movie. Um, I mean, again, it's it's sort of satirical, making fun of sort of like the rocker surfer bro kind of meathead. I, I don't know. Meathead's maybe not the right word because it's not like they lift weights. Yeah, I think rocker, like rocker. Um, I do find, and I think one of the reasons why I actually found Wayne's relationship with Cassandra to be 
fairly believable um, in that Wayne's not really a looker, but they have very common interest, and he's also very funny. Okay. But I can also see if it like, he's kind of a loser. Why would she want to hang out with him? That's where I was going, really. Because I, I see what you mean. They do have fairly good chemistry, and there, there is a sense that Wayne, uh, ability to make Cassandra laugh is, is one of the things that really attracts her to him. But there definitely was a sense for me of, wow, she is way outside his league. This yeah, should not work. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like sometimes you find that those those things do happen. Apparently, you know, for for a lot of people, humor is a huge part. Of, but I mean, let me say it this way: I kind of found a lot of times I'll watch a movie or a TV show, and I just really don't get why characters are together like when we were watching lost i never really understood what it was with jack and kate like why they should be together at least Mm. here there was something to base it off of yeah yeah i i can see that you're right because they do have shared interests and there is a once again the the wayne's ability to make cassandra laugh um and i i mean cassandra i feel like is a character that I don't know. I, I wanted a little bit more from her, but at the same time, I appreciate how much is showcase uh, Tia Carrere's like musical talent. Like I, I, I was. So surprised. is it actually her singer? I'm fairly sure it is mm-hmm. because she also had a music career. Oh, okay. Yeah, she definitely has a presence. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, she sang her own vocals. Um. Yeah, I know. I thought she was really, really good in it, and and, and I think you know she, you know, she bounces off of uh, Mike Myers well. Yeah, they have definitely. chemistry. Yeah. Um, I was also just curious, and anytime I watch a movie, I always kind of have to look and see what someone else is in if I've never oh, yeah. really recognized her name. She was uh, Lilo's older sister, sister in Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. Um, but not until recently. So yeah, she, she is, I think she was also on dancing with the stars. Cause I remember, I remember it was like, was she on Wayne's world? She, yeah, she was on dancing with the stars and she got her big break on general hospital. Uh, okay. I'm always surprised when like people get their, um, we talked about George Clooney. He was, he was on ER. Uh, this, that was more of like the late night version of general hospital. Um, uh, Denzel Washington like was on uh, scene elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Doctor shows will get you started. <laughs> I mean, there's only a hundred of them every year, right? Uh, no, I thought Chi Carrera was really good. I thought Rob Lowe was excellent. Rob Lowe was perfectly cast. He he was per- he's he's so good at being this Weasley like rich dirt bag, but it's so funny because. Before this, I I have to admit I've not seen much Rob Lowe. Uh-huh. The the only thing that I've really seen him in consistently was in Parks and Rec. Yeah, where he can plays a very different character. <laughs> um, and he's also one of the the the, the best parts of that show. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. The only thing that I really know him from is the episodes that I've seen of The West Wing, where he was sort of like 
the lead before Martin Sheen's like, this is my show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and he's sort of like, sort of supposed to, he's supposed to be much more likable in this, but he he does sort of play like the, the conniving, like if he had a mustache, he would twirl it. Yes. Yes. And no, I mean, I think it's a good showcase for Rob Lowe's um, acting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, versatility. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, before this, I mean, he, he, he was wrong, a teen heartthrob. That was that was his he, thing. Him and St. Right. Uh, Elmo's fire. Another right. saint, St. Elsewhere, St. Elmo. <laughs> was he was he part of the Brat Pack? He was part of the Brat Pack. I'm pretty sure he, okay. he was he was the saxophone player in St. Elmo's fire. <laughs> He's, the saxophone players i think he had i think he had a pierced ear and like long hair everyone's like dude rob Lowe. <laughs> no i mean i i could see why he was so big at the time i think mm-hmm. you know he he's obviously the villain in this yeah. but he he just eats it up mm-hmm. and it it kind of made me sad to realize now that he's on like was it nine one one yeah lone star but TV has been trying to get him a consistent show, I think, since Parks and Rec ended. They're like, oh, yeah, we need Rob Lowe deserves another show. Oh, yeah. TV has been so desperate to get him his own show and John Stamos his own show. And right. Yeah. Both of them have failed miserably. Well, not not them particularly, but just like the the networks. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. There was like a show he had with Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like a show uh john stamos had they they, these were like both on fox they just didn't didn't work out um you know what's you you mentioned the love guru so does it surprise you when you watch this movie and garth is a very like endearing funny character and then you think about master disguise with dana carvey (laughs) how unfunny that movie was (laughs) So that that's the thing is because Garth we, is, might be my favorite character in this movie. Garth is really funny. Uh, he, he's he's very likable, and I mean, part of it is that his his introversion, but then mm-hmm. also just kind of like the he's got all these talents that he just kind of keeps to himself, and he's mm-hmm. happy just to be Wayne's friend. But yeah, it did really make me wonder how terrible master disguise was because we saw that in theaters when it came out yeah so we saw that well before we saw wayne's world yeah um and yeah that movie is awful uh-huh. just like i, I actually remember kind of defending it at the time but like sort of coming around to being like you know what this movie's pretty bad you know <laughs> on the list of a lot of people's worst movies of all time yeah i mean dana carvey as like a turtle man like uh yeah no, no thank you um but I think, I guess I'm not too surprised because that lines up with the parts of this movie that aren't clever. The parts of the movie that are just really just bottom of the barrel jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... And then for, um, you know, for for Mike Myers, like it's. This kind of shows you like how his career kind of took off after this. Yeah. Does does he do an accent in this in, in any point? 
does he do the he Shrek? does i don't know if he does a shrek accent um he does a few accents um he does a like a um uh i'm blanking on the name like a beatles kind of yeah yeah accent um when they're showing like different states they could travel to he Uh does a few different accents but like it doesn't really lead into his accent work all that much other Uh than i mean he's putting on an accent of sorts for the character of wayne Mm -hmm. well he's trying to play an american because he's a ron stinking canadian (laughs) ouch no i'm kidding but but it is like he's one of those actors and i feel like same with with jim carrey it's just some of the things where they say like they say sorry or and stuff is like <laughs> you can tell they're canadian i suppose i didn't i didn't catch any of that in this at least in some ways i would actually kind of because like he's in the kind of in the regions close to canada in the in the midwest so it would kind of maybe make sense if he had a little bit of an accent right yeah because this takes place in aurora illinois which is uh, sounds like a suburb of Chicago. Right. So yeah, when you when you get to like the Minneapolis area, or I mean not Minneapolis, but just Minnesota, mm-hmm. North Dakota, like they they have that kind of accent. So it's pretty. It's kind of close to there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think part of I I did appreciate some of that having lived out in Iowa for for three years. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the Midwest Mid- of it all. Midwest represent. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little like embarrassed because it. I was gonna get you a gun rack for your birthday, and now. <laughs> okay, can can we get into that? Because that was probably one of the things I just like the most about this movie is uh, right. what they did with Wayne's uh, ex girlfriend Stacy. Right. right. I feel like she added nothing to it. Like she wasn't funny and it was really just like, I don't know. They're kind of it just was really like, mean hearted. I, I felt like uh-huh. I can understand that. Um, I did actually find it kind of funny when she wiped out a couple times, but that is very just like physical comedy. Oh yeah. Like that, that made me laugh. I'm not going to lie. The, the physical comedy, but otherwise just the, the idea of like, Oh, look at her. Like she's like obsessed with Wayne. Isn't that weird? Uh-huh. Like that. It was a little grating for me. Uh-huh. Um, I can see that. I didn't realize that that actress was um, as well known as she is. She was in Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you, you you know something I found interesting about this movie is that so obviously the character the characters are based off of Mike Myers and uh, Dana Carvey's performances on Saturday Night Live, but the director was actually a woman and one of the writers was a woman, which I just find surprising because it seems more sophomore than I would expect from something written from a woman. But then again, maybe that could have account for some of the uh, smarter humor. Well, I don't know if I would go that far because the director of this um, Penelope uh, Spheris she did several movies along these lines. Um, she also did the Beverly Hillsbillies movies, uh-huh. um, Black Sheep, which was a a movie with Chris Farley yeah. and David Spade. So she was kind of hit or uh, miss. 
I'm not gonna say hit or miss. I think she was kind of mostly miss, <laughs> mostly mostly in this kind of uh, sophomoric uh-huh. uh, film genre. Except she did some documentaries that seemed like they were more serious. So it is kind of odd. But um, actually, I was reading on the notes. Apparently, she and Mike Myers did not get along. So they just had different visions for the movie. They they had different visions. Um, she said that Mike Myers was a bit of a, a diva on set. So like apparently he like threw a fit when um, his bagel didn't have margarine on it. Wow. Um, and because they they fought so often, like she would have her daughter or yeah, I think her daughter, her young daughter, like bring him snacks during the movie to try to appease him. Uh-huh. Which is not a good look, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you but should... it was so bad that they like he supp- supposedly he prevented her from getting the directing role for the sequel to this. Oh, okay, right. Occasionally that does happen. Um, I know. Um, the whole reason why, uh, why, um. I'm blanking on the name. Let's <laughs> start it. Scooby-Doo. Uh, no, no, no. So for for Batman Forever, who who played Batman in that? Val oh, Kilmer. Man. Yeah, there we go. There yeah, we go. so he didn't get along with the director in that either. And like they fought, like apparently it was just made it a completely unpleasant uh, experience for uh, Joel Schumacher. So they recast him as George Clooney in the next movie. Oh, so that's the, Um unfortunately these things do happen where actors are just a little too big for their britches and think they can boss everybody around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, like... we see, we see it in football all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But apparently one of their big arguments was around the, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody scene. Apparently oh, really? Mike Myers didn't think it was funny and it was hurting his head. So it was hurting like, his head. or it was hurting his neck. They're like we, right. I guess they don't, this isn't funny right yeah so that's 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 a little sad to hear but you know uh i'm I'm happy to hear that she had a successful career in spite of that even if she didn't get to direct the sequel yeah she had a somewhat successful i mean she she made other films so yeah yeah it's not like this ruined her career mm-hmm because like like even though there are some failings to this movie but like it's not the funniest like this would be a movie that I would be proud of if I were a director, and I would be like, "Look, I did this movie. This is the highest-grossing Saturday Night Live movie that there has ever been." Yeah, and there are some and it was like the tenth highest-grossing movie of like 1992. Yeah, so like, yeah. and it got pretty good reviews. So it's like, I feel like. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was a success. I mean, it made $183 million in the box office. It only had a $20 million budget, so... And I mean, and when you consider that that's, like, double or more in today's dollars, like, that's quite a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you did mention, so... The 90s really were... Um, kind of the heyday of let's take a tv concept 
and turn it into a movie. Like you mentioned yeah. Beverly Hills Billies. I, I mentioned to you that there were two parody movies of the Brady Bunch. Uh, mm. um, Mission Impossible is probably the most famous. Oh, yeah. I didn't uh, think about that. The Fugitive. Oh, I didn't know that one. Okay. Fugitive is probably the only one that ever was nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Um. And then a bunch of other SNL. So we had Coneheads, Blues Brothers, uh, McGruber, uh, Night at the Roxbury, Superstar. So I I have not seen McGruber. I've seen the McGruber sketch. This and Blues Brothers are actually like generally good movies. But like, I feel like in general their track record is very mixed for SNL movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, of the SNL movies that I looked through in the list, MacGruber is the only one I've actually heard good things about. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of like, almost like a cult hit. Like, like people are like, yeah, I liked MacGruber. Like, I don't think I actually did. Well, there, it has like a new show on Peacock for some. So there yeah. must've been enough of a response yeah, I felt like a lot of times that happens with comedies. Comedies will get kind of middling reviews. This is one that actually did, you know, better. So they'll get middling reviews, but you'll have a lot of fans of it. Right. I feel like with action movies and like dramas, if they're not particularly good, then... Well, I shouldn't say that because I was just watching an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie last night and he certainly got by through a lot of, you know, middle of the road action movies. <laughs> but. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that if we're talking about um, movies based on TV shows or and especially skits or sketches from TV shows, I do think this movie is a lot better than Good Burger. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Good Burger, which was we watched this movie. It's free with ads on YouTube. And so is Good Burger. Oh, don't watch Good Burger. I remember loving it as a kid, but it's uh, a bad I, movie. It's they a do terrible the, movie. They do the mini golf scene and he like he hits the like the whatever the corporate spy in the head with the golf ball. Mm. I remember laughing so hard. <laughs> I mean, that state doesn't have its moments, but that is also mm-hmm. another incredibly stupid movie mm-hmm. um part of me wonders do you think they'll ever because they have brought wayne and garth back a couple times mm-hmm. on saturday night live and they actually continued to do the characters after the movie like i think they were still cast members uh i think yeah they they kept doing the skit uh, let's see. I, I think it was until 94. They And then. Yeah. They, yeah. So, 94 was the last time. And that was the one with Heather Locklear that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Uh, I, I, I do wonder, it's like, would they ever make a third one? Just like I wonder, would they ever make a fourth Austin Powers? It's apparently there's there's more buzz for for this like new Super Bowl commercial. It's going to have Dr. Evil in it. <laughs> I mean, part uh, of me want, does kind of want Mike Myers to come back, but I also am very 
you know, against needless sequels. So I feel like if, if it's particularly for if they had done Austin Powers, I feel like they should have done they should have done Austin Powers like right after the first Daniel Craig movie. And then they could have been like, he's serious in this movie because like that that was when James Bond was trying to be more serious. And then like yeah. they point out that like, no, you're not serious. You've never been serious. We don't love you because you're serious. So it's sort of a commentary on James Bond mm-hmm. being like, it's like, we don't need you to be serious. Yeah. Like, I feel like if they had done it that way, that would have been a good Austin Powers for. That that's true. I would have liked that. That would have been really smart. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Considering that it seems like no one really liked Wayne's World two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I doubt they would make a third one. I think you're more likely to just keep getting them come back onto SNL like during anniversaries right. or um, they actually the the most recent that uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey reprised their roles was for a Super Bowl commercial last year. Yeah, that one was kind of weird. Yeah, it wasn't really all that funny. It was it, it was kind of like like an unironic version of their ad placement in the movie where they're like <laughs> <laughs> e- Uber Eats or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I don't That's... think they kind of played it up enough in that way that it could have worked as a commercial if it was more self-aware. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if they really poked fun at it in the way they do in the movie, then it would have, I think, worked better. But I don't think they were actually allowed to make fun of their sponsor in that case. Right, yeah. Um, So, I feel like... I've read some people say, I guess just as to kind of close off, that the comedy scene is kind of on a decline right now as, as far as movies are concerned. And we need, we, we need some more big comedy blockbusters mm. that they kind of, uh, some of them have kind of been squeezed out a little bit. Do you think that that's true? Do we need another kind of just small movie like this to kind of eke out and make a, you know, a splash? Um, I mean, I have heard that, rom-coms particularly have kind of fallen by the wayside in recent years rom-coms have been fallen by the wayside because hallmark channel (laughs) well except those aren't funny they're just oh look at all these people happy and you know i don't know i i I could go (laughs) maybe we'll have a a hallmark commercial a hallmark uh hallmark movie yeah we'll, we'll do a podcast I, I I can go on a rant about how I hate how happy they are. <laughs> and I can tell you my script for my Hallmark movie that I'm yeah. going to make one day. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I do think to a degree comedies have fallen by the wayside um, in Hollywood. But I, I don't think that's necessarily a reflection on the state of comedy overall. I think... This may be going too far, but I think a lot of comedy has been kind of democratized. It like it's kind of like because we have so many more uh, platforms now for people to present comedy, whether it's TikTok or YouTube or podcasts. Um, 
just it's it's so much easier for people to create their own content that it's so much easier to have these short snippets of comedy rather than a full movie based around it. That that is true. I will occasionally watch somebody who just does like thirty second sketches, and and like they hit, they're funny, but like they're yeah. not a whole show, right? And I think as something that this movie shows is that it's hard to fill that much time with comedy, right? I mean, this movie thankfully good quality. This movie thankfully is pretty short in length. Um, can Compared where we talked to how much uh, Talladega Nights dragged on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, unfortunately, and I mean, this is kind of the state of comedy, even for this. Comedy is really at a place where it's reliant on big, recognizable stars to carry it. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the last 20 years, it's been like the the Will Ferrells Mm -hmm. who've really had to to get people in theaters. Right. I know that Holmes and Watson movie is supposed to be like one of the worst ever. <laughs> yes. I, I have heard that is, that is very bad. Um, but no, I, once again, I, I just think that for whatever reason, comedy has now gone to other avenues. And I mean, like also TV, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're much likely to much more likely to find, um, strong comedies on TV mm-hmm. or streaming. Right. I think that, there, it's just going through a phase. Maybe it'll, you know, kind of round a corner. We'll see a little more. Um, maybe it's just because of uh, some of these uh, older, the older uh, comedians have just, they've lost their touch and it's time for a new generation. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I, I think the, the only other um, kind of thought I would have is that a lot of the comedies you're seeing now are genre mashups. So like, I feel like we've seen over the last 20 years, so many, like you, you mentioned Austin powers. Like there's so many like spy comedy movies now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, uh, if you, if you remember a few years ago, Baywatch, like yeah. action <laughs> comedies, like, yeah. I feel like our, we're getting comedies now linked with other things right um like anything with ryan reynolds like mm-hmm. you you're, you're getting less straight comedies and more comedy hybrids with some other genre i think that's probably true uh yeah ryan reynolds has got to carry the you know as deadpool and all his other movies has got to carry the you know comedy on his shoulders <laughs> i like ryan reynolds i i think he's a funny guy him and his aviation gin ads oh gosh i haven't seen those i've just heard about them yeah and his mint mobile ads ah i've seen those yeah maybe uh he will a be mint mobile movie maybe he'll be the next uh wayne maybe he'll reboot this series uh, i think he's canadian too so that tracks yeah so it'll be him and just have to find someone to play garth yeah well it's 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 interesting to speculate, but uh, Josh, I want to uh, thank you for uh, joining me on this uh, podcast. I I enjoyed talking about it. Um, do you have uh, anything you're working on? I have an idea for a uh, I almost said couch tomato couch potato um, article, 
Um, so I'm still working through it, so I'm hoping to get that out in the next month or so. Um, but otherwise, really, the the best place for people to find me is on um, some of our sister podcasts through the Pop Break. So recently, um, I did my monthly TV podcast with Bill and Alex, and um, even more recently. I was on the Socially Distanced podcast with Bill and Alex, as well as um, host Al and one of the guests, Amanda. And it was a really fun time. We talked about the Book of Boba Fett. Um, Everyone should check that out, uh, where we talked about the second to last episode. Um, So if you've caught up, go ahead and watch it. Um, And you can hear why I think that uh, they really need to rename the show. (laughs) That's, Um, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ray? Anything that you have working uh, on? There's always things I have in mind if they need people to review things, uh, but nothing definite. Um, as far as uh, just what I'm up to, I'm usually at, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Sarnecki. I usually just talk about movies that I've watched. Um, so I was... Besides this, I watched another classic 90s uh, comedy. I watched Clueless with Alicia mm. Silverstone. Uh, it was okay, but it, it it sort of is interesting to watch, given my age at the time, and, and seeing the 90s in the lens of a, of a little kid and now seeing it as a grown-up now as, and mm. seeing how it's like different than I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. And then I uh, I also watched The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, and it was mildly it was mildly entertaining, and it actually kind of ties into next month's movie. So, if uh, just to give everybody a hint, oh, I don't even know what we're talking about. So that's a little yeah yeah you'll you'll recognize them once I tell you. Okay, something with running. I'm assuming. Uh, there's running in it. There's definitely Uh running. (laughs) That doesn't count like 80% of movies. And and most of the things with Tom Cruise have running. Mm, He does like to run. He's very good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no, this was, this was fun. Um, I thought, yeah, this movie had some, some charm to it. Some things I liked, even though overall I was like, this movie is very stupid uh, <laughs> at other times. So it's a mixed bag, but you know, I think it's, it's worth checking out. I mean, it's free on YouTube, so yes, you're not going to be uh, having to even pay your streaming service to watch it. Right. Uh, this will probably eventually go to Paramount plus if it's not already on there. Mm. Oh yeah. I guess because it's a Paramount movie, right? You didn't like that old school Paramount with the the fanfare that they used to play for all the VHSs we had, I did like that. It it was so one of the school. things that felt very nineties. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, we should we should keep talking about older films. I I, I mean older films this is almost as old as we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I'm 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 glad we got to talk about this. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Josh, for uh, doing this. Do you have some words for our kind guests? Sure, yeah. Everyone, thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, no stairway to heaven.